Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host as usual, and uh, got a solo show for you today, like we do at the end of most weeks. I can't say every week. We've had a couple weeks where there wasn't one, like last week, because of what I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, we're going to do a recap of my archery elk hunt, just tell you guys a little bit about what went down and uh, share some stories, share some things about how the the handful of days from the first archery elk hunt went. Um, I made a post on Instagram and I also did a, a shortish article on Substack that kind of gave just a brief overview, but I didn't really give too many details about what went, what happened and how we, uh, how the, the hunt actually panned out. Um, so I just wanted to tell you guys a couple of those stories cause I've been getting, um, uh, questions about how the elk hunt go, what, you know, what happened? How'd you guys do? So I figured this is just the easiest way to answer all of those questions at once. And I just wanted to tell you about it. So, uh, and that's my show, so I can tell you about whatever I want. So, uh, it was a, it was a really, well, first of all, let me say this. It was awesome. It was, you know, I, I've been hunting for a handful of years now, but I've never done an archery hunt. And it just is approached in a completely different way than rifle season elk hunting, rifle season deer hunting. Um, it's it's just approached in a totally different way. And it has to be because you can't play the game of, oh, hey, look, they're 800, mi- 800 meters away when I see them. All we got to do is get to 500 or 400 to make a shot. And they still won't even know we exist, right? Uh, it's like, hey, we got to get to 30 or under and uh, and still hope that they don't know that we exist, right? So uh, from the beginning, it was, it, it, it just is a totally different mindset, a uh, different way you have to approach it. I was in a completely new unit, a completely new area I've never been before. Um, and it's amazing country up there. Uh, I was lucky enough to go 
with my uncle is his first time on his first archery hunt as well. Um, but the, the guy that was taking us up in this area has hunted this, this, this certain unit and this certain section of this unit for years and has had a lot of success there with elk and, uh, for, for years now. And so, uh, he had some really good ideas on where he wanted to try and get us into, to get us at least in the mix of something, you know, and then we've got to, we've got to do what we can to make it happen after that. But, uh, we go, we go up in this area and it's just massive, beautiful country. I posted a couple of pictures on Instagram, um, but just huge country, really rough stuff up there. Lots of really brutal terrain to hike. Um, lots of rocky areas and, and climbs and that kind of stuff. And the areas that we went into, uh, you know, were pretty physically demanding. I was, I I felt good during the hunt, uh, training and everything leading up to that had left me feeling pretty good. I wasn't beat up leading up into it and actually handled the volume and the mileage and the, the heavy mileage pretty well. Um, we averaged about, I want to say around eight ish total miles each day we were up there and we were hunting in different sections of this, you know, like we had this big map that we were working from and we had these little areas, these pockets that we were kind of, that were all surrounding each other. So we're just hunting one section of it, then moving on to the next, the next day. And then you're always in kind of an earshot or, or a visual shot of the same area, but you're hiking through this whole massive section of, of country. This awesome Creek connects to the river and it's, uh, it's just beautiful up there. And what was really wild was we were seeing signs. We were seeing, uh, you know, what wasn't necessarily fresh sign, but it wasn't ancient, you know, maybe within a week. Um, but there had been a huge rain just a, a couple days before. So a ton of stuff had washed out to where it was actually a lot more difficult to, to see any of the, the tracks or any of the signs that we were looking for. But what was crazy is it was just dead quiet. It was, I mean, there were, there were some, there were some sections of where we were for pockets of time during the day where it was quieter than like any library I've ever been in, including like all the nature sounds. It was almost a little eerie. And, uh, it was, it was something that was really, it was peaceful, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. Like, but that doesn't mean, that didn't mean that there weren't that there weren't elk in there, but none of them were responding to anything. None of them were making any noise at all, even to each other, uh, which obviously makes it a lot more difficult to find those animals when you can't hear them and you just have to, to track and, and look for them, uh, for two and a half days, nothing, not even eyes on anything, put some hard miles on. And, uh, I mean, it was a great time still. We were pretty beat up by the, the final morning we were there. The final morning we were there, we are hiking into this new area and we're following this trail along a creek before we break off the trail and, and piece up towards uh, piece up towards the mountain and kind of bushwhack for a little while. But right before we did that, we caught uh, the, the, the older guy that we were with, the guy that was taking us back in there spotted a, you know, four or five point kind of raghorn bull, um, about 700 ish meters away, but across the Canyon from where we were and only had eyes on him for a few minutes. He was, he was walking across. It was early morning. He was working his way into some like old burnt out timber that we kind of disappear. He kind of disappears over a ridge. Couldn't really see him 
after a, a few minutes, but we had, he had watched him walk across and, uh, where we were was like this giant bowl key, almost like a keyhole kind of section that we were right on the edge of that keyhole shape of where this ridge was. And, uh, so we made the plan that he was going to hang back and kind of, and, and watch us make the giant several mile loop all the way around rolling against the wind to get to the other side and try and come in from up, up above where he was. We had the wind in our favor the entire time. Took us a couple hours to get over there just because of how we were off trail. We were side hilling and it was just a long ways. It was a it was big country, like I said. Takes us a couple hours to get over there. Had the wind in our favor the whole time. And as, you know, as elk hunting goes, we just never even saw him again. You know, it's kind of an anticlimactic story. So I don't mean to like build it up like there was going to be some giant payoff, but we literally got over there and we saw where, right where he was. We saw the fresh tracks right where he was, watched him where the, uh, the tracks had gone up exactly where we had thought he'd walked and, and tipped out over the top of the ridge and back down to the other side. He probably did that minutes after we had seen him. So we didn't really have any chance to make it over there in time. Um, but, got some really awesome scenery, some awesome hikes. And more than anything, it was just a learning experience, you know, for it being the first archery hunt of my life and doing it in a brand new area, learning the different, the different ways you need to approach moving and, uh, you know, how much more important wind comes into play when you're trying to get that close and just learn. And, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity to learn a lot about that area because that's an area I plan on going back to. And, uh, it was overall, I mean, like I said, and I made the Instagram post, but like I said, you know, even though the, the weekend didn't end in the way that we wanted it to end, that didn't mean that it still wasn't a success. And we had a great time there was a, a pretty funny moment, you know, looking back on it, it was funny, but it's just one of those things where you make a dumb decision and you kind of pay for it physically. And, uh, as we were sitting on this Ridge, once we got to that side where we knew that he was, we're maybe only 300 yards away from that spot. We, we sat on this little rock face and we're, we're glassing down into that area. And I knew that we needed to lose a little bit of, of elevation, but not, you know, not quite yet. We were going to kind of gradually work our way down into that area. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint.
And so I found this spot that was kind of like this little washout right next to where we were sitting. I was like, well, let's just kind of switch back a little bit and gradually lose some stuff. And, uh, you know, I even made the comment, I was like, Hey, let's not make sure, let's make sure we don't step in like the soft sand areas because that will, (laughs) that'll, that'll, that has more potential for someone to slip and start sliding down, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a cliff or anything like that, but it was, you know, a pretty steep section of, of mountainside. And of course, I'm being the one who says that is the one that steps in the loose sand spot and slipped and caught myself. And then I took one more step and I slipped again and, and baseball slid holding my bow in the opposite hand, uh, baseball slid down the mountain, not quickly, but not super slowly either. I was moving all right, but for about a hundred yards, just baseball sliding on my hip. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was a moment where I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm going to stop sliding. We might make this like the, the, the slide all the way down to the bottom. And, uh, I was really in the, for, you know, cause it was probably like six or seven seconds of, just straight sliding on my hip. And uh, I couldn't switch over to the other side because of my bow on the other side. I didn't want to lay across my bow, especially with arrows and broadheads and stuff that were in the quiver. And so I'm like, I'm just going to roll this out on my right hip the entire way. And there was a couple seconds of that where I'm like, all right, let's see if I can see far enough down to see if I can grab something or I don't know what is going to happen. I might have to slide and ride this thing out the whole way. I'm just going to try not to catch myself and then flip into a tumble. But at that point, you really have no idea. You're so out of control. Luckily, I was able to, to catch myself on a little bit of a branch and uh, with my foot, get myself slowed down, kind of dug my heel in and pulled myself up on this branch and, uh, stood up and my uncle's up there and he asked, he's like, you know, you good. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I looked down and I had my, I had the pants I was wearing, have the, the air vents, the vertical zipper vents to dump heat out as you're hiking. And I had it open and inside of it was just a mesh guard underneath the zipper. So there wasn't like, you know, pant lining or anything. It was just a mesh guard. So there wasn't bare skin, you know, exposed when you unzip the zipper. So I'd had that unzipped on the side that I was sliding down and I go to check it out and I'm like, oh man, my hip, that probably, that probably Mess, cut me up a little bit or I don't know. And I looked down and the, comp- the whole side of the pants on my hip had ripped off of the zipper. The mesh was completely gone. It had ripped through the, the base layer bottoms that I was wearing underneath and completely ripped all the way, those all the way off. Like I had like a tear, you know, four or five inches across of just exposed skin, uh, underneath that was just exposed skin sliding down the mountain for six seconds. And so, uh, I had some, and then you, and then I flip over and I, and I look and the, the back pocket on my left side had completely torn off. I look at my forearms, my bait, I was just in my base layer cause it was hot, it was hot out. We were hiking, you know, it was middle of the afternoon and I'm just had my base layer bottom on and it was a new one that I had just gotten like a week ago and, uh, completely shredded the forearms off of that. And so my forearms were all cut up. My hands were all cut up. But, you know, you have the adrenaline pump. It doesn't really hurt that much at that point. And so uh, I had some med kit stuff in my bag. And uh, l- another lesson learned here, um, I had antiseptic wipes and stuff to clean it, but I didn't have any gauze to cover it. And so I did, but I, so I didn't want to like hike all the way out of there uh and having only cleaned with, with the antiseptic that I had not had any left when I got back after hiking all the way out. So just like, you know, I'll just get some water on this, clean all the dirt off of it, zip the thing back up. Cause the zipper still worked, zip the thing back up and we'll hike out of here. 
because we were on our way out. And, uh, and I'm like, when we get back, I'll, I'll do the cleaning and the gauze and all that kind of stuff. And so that was fine. It looked like I, uh, got in a tussle with a bobcat on that side, just from how all the raspberry and all that stuff just kind of shredded some skin. Uh, but I knew as soon as I got back, I'm like, that's gonna, that is going to be sore tomorrow and wake up in the morning the next day. And I, I mean, I just felt like the oldest man in history waking up and my hips, both sides and my forearms just, I mean, I slept terribly because you couldn't even lay on your side or I couldn't even lay on my side. And so I get up and it was just a like soreness that I hadn't experienced because it was like joint and weak and like just everything hurt. It wasn't like a muscle soreness. It was just like, dang, that is not pleasant. And, uh, ended up bruising that whole area on this, on the side of my hip pretty gnarly and, you know, all kinds of bruises and stuff. So it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm glad it didn't, it wasn't worse than it was. Cause you know, looking back on it, it wasn't like a super intense moment because I was moving slow enough. I had time to catch myself, but you know, a couple other places on that mountain, it, it could have gone South a lot quicker. And it's just one of those things you never want to take the mountains for granted because they don't care about anything uh they don't they don't give a rip and uh if you're not careful if you're not if you're not cognizant if you're not prepared like it can go bad and so you know i i felt good i felt prepared i had like you know for the most part other than just the wrap which i have since added already into my pack um I was medically prepared for that kind of stuff, which was good. Uh, but it was just one of those things where, you know, a couple seconds and, or if I, you know, maybe I kick my foot out one direction and I hit a rock and now I go head over heels and now I start tumbling. Like who knows how, if I would have been able to stop myself or, or what happens after that. But, you know, fortunate it wasn't as maybe as intense as it, the story makes it sound just from the speed I was going, but it could have been, uh, any number of different places on that mountain that would have made it a lot worse. And so, um, that was my, you know, make a dumb decision and pay for it story from the hunt. So that's going to be the wrap up. It was a great hunt. I'm excited. Um, I, I'm not gonna be able to make it back up, uh, for this season, before the season ends in 10 days or eight days or however long it is from now. Um, so I'm already, I'm just, I'm gearing up ready for deer season that starts in about three weeks. So that's the priority now, as far as hunting stuff. And I've got some other tags in my pocket. Should I come across anything on the mountain? But I just wanted to do a little recap of the elk hunt and share you share with you guys that story. And so if you have questions, uh, like, please feel free to reach out, ask, uh, join the Patreon. Um, we have awesome stuff on the Patreon happening. We've got, uh, the guests each week now are hanging out for a little bit extra time to do a second episode with me exclusively for the patrons in, uh, in the nomad strength show, Patreon. So, uh, this last week we had Dan McKim who, who in, in the Patreon, you know, in the main episode rather talks a lot about his faith and talks a lot about how that helped him when he retired from the sport of Highland games competing. Uh, but then we actually dive into a lot more faith-based stuff in the Patreon. And the week before that, we had Bear Hanlon from Born Primitive talking about his training. Uh, we've got an awesome one coming up this week with, uh, Nate Spearing. And we went for almost an hour extra in the Patreon, uh, exclusive. It's called Unplugged is that podcast. So if you guys want more content, if you want to be a part of more of the community, we have it. We'll 
also have a Discord channel where we can chat back and forth, you know, discuss the shows, discuss show ideas. If you guys have topics or anything you want me to cover in these solo shows, we do all kinds of stuff there. We're going to start doing some Ask Me Anythings with just the patrons. You have merch discounts. I mean, you guys got a lot of stuff available to you uh, if you decide to become a patron. So that is going to be in the show notes as well. If you want to go check that out or you can go to patreon.com slash nomad strength show and uh, all of it will be there. So I'm excited to share some more hunting stories with you guys as we're just really getting going with the season, but that's going to do it for the solo show today. And if you found this episode helpful at all, or you enjoy the show, please, this is my last thing before we peace out, uh, go like rate review, subscribe, leave a review. All of we did the review contest a, a week or so ago. It really, helps the show get boosted and get some more ears uh, on what we're doing. And uh, I want to be able to help you guys out. And hopefully these messages get to you well and are practical for you. So that's going to do it for me. Have a good weekend, guys.